Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Galatians, let's go over to the book of 1 Timothy, or 2 Timothy, I think is where I want to go. We've been studying, renewing your mind, kind of from the angle or from the standpoint of what is the first thing, what should a person do once a person is born again, what should he begin to do? You come to a church like Island Church that preaches the new birth, preaches the baptism and the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. You make a decision to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, get filled with the Spirit. Well, after that, we obey the Scriptures. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, to present our body a living sacrifice unto the Lord, which is our reasonable service or spiritual worship. Be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Every believer, every Christian, actually every person is either in the process of transformation or confirmation. You're either being put into the box that the world system wants you into or you're being transformed by the Word of God and by the power of God. So we've taught several things over the past few weeks that have to do with that. Tonight, I kind of want to get into some stuff about the Word of God and I guess if we could title it tonight, we'd title it this, Putting the Word of God First. Now, one of the most important things that you must decide as a human being here on on this planet, and if you can make this decision correctly, it can save your life forever. Forever. Amen? You say, what do you mean? Can you decide, will you decide, that that book, the Bible, that that book that's sitting in your lap, some of you have, Uh, computers now that you do it on your phones and stuff like that but can you decide that book the bible is it the word of god is it the word of god now if you can make that decision in your own life where you make a decision the bible is the word of god it is the it is it is a a documentation of the heart of a loving god it documents the history of what god's done in the past six thousand years It documents the fall of man. It documents uh, the raising up of the seed that would bring redemption. It documents the the history of the uh, the formation and the development of the nation of Israel. Prophesies its return. Amen. That a nation would be born in a day that happened in 1948. Uh, uh, It reveals Jesus. Every page, every scripture reveals Jesus. I've always heard preachers say, yeah, I read the back of the book and we win. I don't like that. We win in every book. Amen. You don't have to get to the back of the book to see that we win. Amen. So when you begin to make a decision, I know in my own life, I had to come to that place in my own life where I decided that it is it is the Word of God without question. Uh, it is written. It was copied. It was translated by unperfect men, but the Word of God itself is perfect. Amen. It is powerful. No book on the planet contains the power that the Word of God has. The power of creation is in the Word of God. The power of redemption is in the Word of God. The power of salvation is in the Word of God. The power of healing is in the Word of God. The power of God is in the Word of God. Are you with me? And then when you begin to realize the history of the Bible itself, it'd do you well just to go study the history of the Bible. 
If you study the history, and when I mean the history of the Bible, study the history of the translation of the King James Bible, which took place over 400 years ago, you would see the hand of God in that from beginning to end. And from the point that translation of the Bible was put together in what we call the canon of scriptures and printed from that time till this day, it remains the number one bestseller. Not one author in the United States, Canada, Europe, Africa, Australia, South America, not one author will sell more books than Bibles will be sold this year. Did you know that? It, there's been wars fought over it. There's been, been countries that have banned it because they know that it would cause revival. They could handle revolution, but they can't handle revival. Amen? Uh, listen, it is disdained by people. There are people that hate it. There are people that can't stand it because they know what it can do and they know what it is. But when you as an individual make a decision, this is the Word of God and the Word of God is going to be the preeminent authority in my life, you're fixing to start living a life of overcoming victory. Amen? Now, in the Scripture, look at this Scripture here in 2 Timothy. And we'll go from here because I want to give you a couple of illustrations tonight that will help you understand this. The Bible, there was a man several years ago I heard teaching said, uh, you can make the Bible say anything you want it to. Did you know that? How many remember the old promise boxes? Remember the promise box you open up, reach in, pull out a promise? Uh, there, there was a guy one time that was doing that. It was a story that I don't know if it's true or not, but it was a good story. He said he'd reach in there and, and pull, in a, pull out a promise, you know, and, and he pulled out a promise, pulled out a scripture, and on the scripture it said Judas went out and hung himself. And he pulled out another and said, go ye, do, go ye and do likewise. So, you know, you can make the Bible say whatever, it's, whatever you want. You can twist it however you want to, and people do that. But now notice what it says here. Verse 15 of 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. It says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be, to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Everybody say, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, I don't care who you are, who you think you are, there's no person on planet earth that ever has or ever will have perfect revelation in the word of God. You know, we know in part, we prophesy in part. Amen. We do our best to study. But there is a right division of the Word of God. There are certain principles you've got to understand when you study the Word of God. First of all, the Bible is progressive revelation. Everybody say progressive revelation. That means as you begin in Genesis and you begin to turn through the pages of the Bible and read and study the pages of the Bible... Revelation progresses through the Bible. That means as you get to certain places in the Bible, which I like to call landmarks in the Bible, then things that you have just gone over or you have just studied are seen in a different light. Can I get a better amen? Well, we know that today we live in what the Bible calls, Jesus coined the phrase, Isaiah prophesied it, the acceptable year of the Lord. We live in a dispensation of the mercy and the grace of God. There is no judgment of God, so to speak, upon planet earth right now. We are living in a time in which there is mercy and grace being poured out in abundance. The only real judgment that's relevant today is the believer judging himself according to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Judge yourself, amen, at least you be judged of God. That's not talking about eternal judgment. That's talking about if you're eating 14 Milky Ways a day, you ought to judge yourself. Figure out that ain't going to work, amen. But now, who 
who or what, and it's not a what, it's a who, the Holy Ghost is the one that empowers the believer to rightly divide the Word of God. Without the Holy Spirit. Now, you can study Scripture and you can look into Scripture, but I want you to know unless you have the ability of the Holy Ghost to guide you because He is the real teacher that's on the inside of you, He is the one that takes the living word, excuse me, takes the written word and makes it the living word in your heart. Unless you have the Spirit of God to guide you, then you can get yourself in trouble. So you need two things. Predominantly, you need the Holy Ghost on the inside, which is your teacher. They'll put something on the inside of you that when something is not right, that, that is taught, you'll know it's not right. Have you ever heard something taught and you thought, that ain't right? That ain't right. Now, nobody taught you that it wasn't right. You never sat in a service and heard that it wasn't right. But you just knew, that's not right. I remember sitting in a service. I'd only been back to the Lord maybe six months. And I was up in Houston at a prayer meeting up there. And a man was given the pulpit to, to get up and teach. And he was teaching on a certain scripture out of the book of Luke. And as he taught on it, my spirit, it just, it just began to twist on the inside of me. And it was, what he was saying just wasn't right. So I didn't accept it. And later I found out by studying, he was wrong in what he was saying. So remember this, the Old Testament, everybody say the Old Testament. It is written for you. It is given to us as an example. The New Testament, which is the dispensation we live in, it is written to you. But it still must be rightly divided. You need the Holy Ghost. Then you need a ministry gift. A ministry gift will help you understand. It will teach you the Word of God. The Bible says in Romans, uh, uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 17, says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Then the ne next scriptures under that goes to talk about uh, how can they hear unless the uh, preacher has been sent. Much of the faith you receive in your own human spirit, I'd like to say it like this, probably over 75% of the faith that's deposited on the inside of your human spirit, you'll get it by having it taught to you. About 25% you'll get on your own by study and meditation of the Word of God. But about 75% you'll have it taught to you. The Word of God being taught by an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, or a teacher, and the Holy Ghost agreeing with that which is being taught, causing the Logos of God, which is the written Word, to become the rhema of God on the inside of your heart or your spirit. Amen. You say, well, how do you know when the Logos turns to Rhema? It's when you hear it. You say, how do you know when you hear it? Hearing it is when you act upon it. It's when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Now, I want to look at a couple of scriptures. If you will, let's see, where's the, uh, go to 1 Peter. That's, that's, we'll do that one, then we'll go to the other one in 1 Corinthians. Go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3. Now, there's a large denomination, Pentecostal denomination, predominantly several, several very large churches uh, up in the East Texas area. Uh, they had kind of a, oh, I don't know, you call it a, a, an insurrection or a, a split many years ago. I would say probably 25 years ago. Uh, uh, they call them the old hard shell Pentecostals, the uh, oneness Pentecost, uh, whatever you want to call it, a uh, uh, very large denomination. Well, about 25 years ago, there was a, a division in that denomination, 
uh, and many of them that adhered to uh, a lot of the old doctrine left it and basically kind of went on their own. And I preached and taught in many of the churches for several years. For many years I taught in those churches. Now, one of the scriptures that was used that they broke away from here in, here in 1 Peter, let's read it and you'll see what I mean. Here in 1 Peter was this scripture here. Actually, let's start in verse 1. It says, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that, that if any obey not in word, uh, that they also without the word may be won by the conversation or the lifestyle of the wives. Speaking of wives, uh, live a holy uh, uh, life in front of your husbands that aren't saved yet. And your lifestyle will convince them of the reality of the word of God. It says, While they behold your chaste conversation or lifestyle coupled with fear. Now notice this. Whose adorning let it not be, that outward adorning or plaiting of the hair or weaving of gold or putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Now, in that denomination, if you were a woman, if you are a woman, now, back in that day, in, the, in Peter's day, women plaited their hair. Today, women go to uh, beauty salons, uh, uh, hair salons, get their hair cut, get their hair colored, uh, get their hair uh, styled in all different kinds of ways. Now, they believed, according to this scripture, that if you did that, it was a sin. Some of you, how many of you were familiar with that, that, that uh, uh, doctrine at one time? Well, they, they preached that, and I mean they preached it strong. And if you wore any gold, they wouldn't allow, they don't, and to this day, they don't allow their women to wear any gold. Uh, they don't allow their women to wear any makeup, and they don't allow their women to cut their hair. Now, that is their, do that is their doctrine. They're written down. Now, but now, what's the Scripture say? Let's look at the Scripture one more time. It says, Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning or plaiting of hair. Okay, we'll give you the hair. Wearing of gold. Okay, let's take off all of our jewelry. Are you with me? Are putting on of apparel. Well, let's get our clothes off. Are you with me? And doesn't it say that in your Bible? Now, obviously, rightly, rightly divided, the Scripture does not say that. The Scripture is talking about a woman who will take and dress up on the inside before she dresses up on the outside. The other scriptures bear that out. Notice what it says. The scriptures, if they would have just continued in the word of God, remember what Jesus said? If you continue in my word, continue in my word, continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So here's what it says here. It says, it says but, but let it be of the hidden man of the heart. He's not speaking of not wearing gold or not cutting your hair or not wearing clothes. He's talking about the hidden man of the heart. That's the subject of the entire scripture. But an entire denomination. Are you with me? Aren't you glad we're not in that denomination? Amen. We like our women to look great. I like what Brother Osteen said years ago. Remember he said it and I didn't. Amen. So you write here, write Joel a letter. Any old paint, uh, a little paint will help any old barn. So ladies, go to the beauty salon. Get, put some makeup on. Get you some jewelry. Come, come to the house of God looking good. Amen. Look good for your husbands, your wives. Amen. And if you're fishing for a husband, I always say you catch more with live bait. <laughs> but see, they've take, totally taken and twisted that scripture. Now listen. You, would, you wouldn't believe 
the horror stories. Now, we can laugh sitting here and, and cut up with, but you wouldn't believe the horror stories of the women, many locked away in mental institutions today because they went down and had a haircut or wore some jewelry and told they had committed the unpardonable sin. Amen? I mean, I've seen them delivered literally by the dozens. When we went to many of those churches and taught and preached and taught on this scripture right here, many of them were set free instantly of depression that had been in their lives for years because they were afraid at one time they'd cut their hair in high school or done this or done that, and they'd committed some kind. And they were told that. They were told, you cut your hair, you commit some type of sin. Well, that's just crazy keeping people in bondage like that. But that's not rightly dividing the word of truth. Am I right? Now, let's go, go to 1 Corinthians real quick. Go to 1 Corinthians 13. Here's another one that's even more profound. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We know that's what we call the love chapter. Now, many denominations, not just a few, but many, refute, discount, are totally against Anything to do with spiritual things when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in other tongues. Now, you've got to understand, it'll do you good to go do a little history of moves of God. Every major denomination that we know of, Baptist, Methodist, Episcopalian, Presbyterian, Lutheran, began with men and some women that were filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues. Some of those denominations, it took them 100 to 150 years to get it out of their church, but they eventually got it out. Because when people get filled with the Holy Ghost, you can't control them. And religion is controlling. Religion wants to control you with doctrine. But God always raises up another generation. The great charismatic move. You ought to go read the book by Brother uh, Kenneth E. Hagin, I Believe in Visions. God gave him a vision of uh, sitting in that garden with all these different denominations. And that truly happened. We were witness to it. Our family was witness to it. Brother and Sister J.R. Goodwin were forerunners of that great charismatic movement. Men like John Osteen and Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Copeland, all these guys came out just preaching the Word of God. And thousands and millions, millions of Catholics and Baptists and Methodists and uh, Episcopal, you name them, millions of them got baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues. Amen? Now, notice here the scripture that is used to refute it, to say this is, this is why we don't believe in it. We've got scriptural evidence. Here it is right here. Now let's read it just for a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Look here in verse, look here in verse 8. I'm going to read it in the King James first. It says, Charity, your love never faileth. But whether they be prophecies, there shall fail. Whether they be tongues, they shall cease. Where there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. But we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Now, let's look at that again real close. Love never faileth. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Where there be tongues, they shall cease. Many major denominations in their doctrine. Write this down, this scripture down right here saying, this is why we believe that the baptism of the Holy Ghost is no longer relevant to modern Christianity. Because it says in the Bible, tongues shall cease. Tongues shall cease. Do you see that? How many, how many been in a denomination like that? Understand that. That that's what they taught you. Did they, am I right? Did they teach you that? 
That's exactly what they taught you, and that's the Scripture they used, and that's the Scripture. If you look in their doctrinal statements, you'll see that's the very Scripture they used to refute the baptism of the... And man, why? Why fight against something so powerful? Why try to get something out of your church or your denomination that blesses everybody that gets it? But now look, let's rightly divide it. Let's rightly divide it. Look what it says here. It says, love never faileth. How many agree with that? Amen. Now also this. But whether they be prophecies, they shall fail. Actually, that, a better translation for that is they shall come to an end. Prophecies shall come to an end. Where there be tongues, they shall cease. There shall be an ending to tongues. Where there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Now, let me ask you a question. Has knowledge vanished away? Actually, we're living in a time in which knowledge is growing at an exponential curve. I mean, you, you know, you go out and you get one of these, uh, one of these new cell phones, and then a year later, your cell phone is obsolete. They done took the cell phone you bought this year and made one ten times better. I saw something the other day I thought it was really neat. It said if you have one of the modern cell phones that's been built in the last two or three years, that there's more technology in your cell phone than was in the entire Apollo space program. Now that's amazing. That shows us that knowledge is increasing, that knowledge, these men and these scientists and these engineers and, and, and people that educate, that they're discovering more and more and more and more, and knowledge is increasing. And, well, if you, if you adhere to this scripture right here and said, well, that's just what it means without rightly dividing it, then you, you, you'd be against everything that ever came up, which there is some cults today that will not have a telephone or a TV, will not hook electricity to their homes, because knowledge has ceased. Knowledge hadn't ceased. Prophecies hadn't ceased. Tongues hadn't ceased. Actually, the word tongues, where it's talking about there, is speaking about tongues in its spiritual gifting form. Because these chapters here basically are talking about spiritual gifts. Now, notice what it says. It says, but. Everybody say, but. Always make sure you read everything that's on the other side of the but. Amen? It says, but, when that which is perfect is come. Now let me ask you something. Has that which is perfect come? Now, first of all, everybody, I know that we all just want to put up our hands and shout, shout Jesus. Amen. When he comes. Now I know that and I agree with that. That when Jesus has come, all that which is part will be done away with. But in rightly dividing the scripture here, it's actually talking about truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. So it is talking about Jesus. When truth comes, truth will supersede knowledge. Today, truth does not supersede knowledge. Knowledge supersedes truth. That's why you got so many people that will argue the new birth. They'll argue the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They'll argue all kinds of things in it because truth is not predominant. No, knowledge is because man still lives. The human family still lives perpetually in a fallen state. So his wealth is in his knowledge, but not us. We don't live by knowledge. We live by truth, the truth of the Word of God. But then one day, truth is going to show up on the planet. And they're going to find out that truth is a whole lot greater than knowledge and that all knowledge came from truth. Amen. So actually, when you, I was looking at it in the Amplified. Let me read it in the Amplified. It sounds good in the Amplified. It says, but when the complete and perfect totally comes, the incomplete and imperfect will vanish away, become antiquated, void, and superseded. Listen, when that which is perfect comes, which is Jesus, which is truth, he establishes himself here in that millennial reign, 
then truth will be predominant and preeminent and all of the things that we do in part. You say, why do we do in part? Because we're imperfect vessels. Although the hidden man of the heart, the spirit man on the inside, is sealed by the Spirit of God until the day of redemption, Although that's true, we're still stuck with minds. That's what we're teaching on the renewing of, the, of our minds. Our minds are still messed up when it comes to spiritual things. We're called as believers to live by the Spirit and not by the intellect. We're called as believers to live by the Spirit and not by the flesh. That doesn't mean you discount your flesh or your intellect. It means you develop your spirit to the point where it is the preeminent force of your life, the real you. Are you with me? So when that which is perfect is come, see, we prophesy. Let me just say this. We've had some wonderful prophecies, both from the ministry here and ministries that have come in. Beautiful tongues and interpretation of tongues. But they're not all perfect. You say, why? Because God has to use imperfect vessels. Amen. I enjoyed for many years the, brother, uh, the ministry of Brother Kenneth E. Hagin. Uh, of course, God raised him up from the deathbed, uh, uh, gave him a ministry that uh, went worldwide, was probably the preeminent teacher and prophet of the charismatic move. Uh, Rhema churches and Rhema Bible schools are all over the world. Uh, I think they've already graduated close to 100,000 people from Rhema Bible College. His books, he's the number one seller with, in, in Christian books across the board more than anybody else. But I was in a meeting one time. He caught it. How many remember Roger McDuff? Is Roger still alive? I think, he, I think he's still. How many remember Roger McDuff? Remember the McDuff brothers? They were from over here in Texas City. Uh, they sang together. And then, and then uh, 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 Roger uh, continued in the music ministry. And then John uh, pastored a church. I think his son pastors up here in, in Pasadena, Faith uh, Tabernacle or Faith Temple. And then Coleman, I think, also went out to California and started a church. Well, I was at Lakewood. We were sitting in Lakewood. This is at a Thanksgiving convention back in 1984. And Brother Hagen called Roger out. Just called him and gave this most beautiful prophecy. I mean, it was just beautiful. And you could sense a, a presence. And he prophesied about, about Roger uh, uh, waning out of, the, out of the music ministry and entering into a pulpit ministry with a, with a teaching the Word of God and, and, you know, just doing all. And everybody just shouted and rejoiced and praised God. And brother, got up, brother Hagen got up and talked for about 15, 20 minutes. And then he just stopped, turned around, walked over to Roger and said, you know, I don't believe any of that is of God. Yeah, it had the same effect. Roger's right? going, oh, too bad, you know. <laughs> but that's what he said. Amen. I mean, I, I, I thought, well, praise God, man. God's got, an, uh, brother Hagen got enough integrity that if he don't feel like it was God to go. He said, you know, I was very inspired to tell you that, but I, just, I believe it was out of my own head, not out of my spirit, not by the Holy Spirit. So that shows us right there that even people that are on the cutting edge of ministry, we've told you for years, never believe anything because the preacher says it. Never believe anything because I say it. Believe it because the Word says it. Try everything by the Word of God. Put the Word of God first place in your life. Try everything by the Word. Amen? Now, real quick, we've got about nine minutes left. Go over to Psalms. Let's go to Psalms 119. I've just, I just been meditating on this uh, the past week, and I just, I just felt like I wanted to go over there. There's so much in Psalms 119 about the Word. You can't teach or preach at all, but there's it's a lot of good stuff there. You ought to study it. Longest chapter in the Bible. Lots of good verses. We're going to start with verse 89. I hate to because there's so many other ones. But now notice verse 89. We'll look at two or three of these real quick and then we'll close. 
Now look at verse 89, Psalms 119. I love this. Beautiful. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Now I tell you, you read Psalms 119, you figure out David was a word man. Amen. I mean, God chose to put all of his stuff in the Bible. Forever, O Lord, thy word, thy word is settled. Everybody say settled. Now, with, with something settled, that's it. That's it. Now, when you begin, all you got to do is meditate on that for a little bit. And you'll find out, number one, your salvation is settled. It's not some flimsy little old something that, you know, you go out and commit some little old petty sin one day and lose it and have to come back to church and get it the next Sunday. No, your salvation is settled. You say, why? Because you got it by the Word. Your salvation is based on the Word of God, what God did for you in Christ, the Word of God. Forever, O Lord, thy Word is settled, settled. Your salvation is settled. Oh, you ought to get more excited than that. You say, why? Well, that means all the benefits of salvation belongs to you. It's not wishy-washy, it's not maybe or if. Listen, if you were to die, you'd be present with the Lord. Amen? I mean, it affords you power to change, power to be new. It affords you revelation in the Word of God. It helps you to rise up and live an overcoming life here on this earth because forever, forever, forever the Word is settled. Where? In the place of authority, in the place of God's authority, which is heaven. Woo, glory to God. Well, that means your healing is settled. So, well, Pastor, I don't know. I'm still working out this healing thing. No, it's settled in heaven. I said it's settled in heaven. I said it's settled in heaven. If it's settled in heaven, it might not be settled up at UTMB. It might, be, might not be settled up at uh, MD Anderson, but it's settled in heaven. The place of God's eternal authority, which is the city of heaven, the 15,000 by 15,000 square mile city, it is forever settled in heaven. Your healing is settled. Can I get a better amen than that? Your prosperity is settled. He shall supply all of your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That is a settled word. Give. It'll come back to you. Good measure. Press down. Shaking together. Running. That's a settled word. Amen. Hallelujah. Your righteousness is settled. You have right standing with God. You say, well, one day I'll have right standing. No, you were born into righteousness when you got born again. You have the same right standing with God that Jesus himself has because you are in him. He is the vine. You are the branches. You have the same right standing with God. You can boldly come to the throne of grace to obtain mercy in time of need. You have the same right to be there as Jesus has. You say, why? Because of that blood that is on the mercy seat. Your joy is settled. The Bible says, count it all joy when you fall into diversity. Listen, that's why some of you stay defeated is because when a problem rises up, you don't respond with joy. I mean, all of a sudden, a, a bill comes in the mail, and it's Christmas time, and it needs to be paid today, and it's going to take half your Christmas money. And so you get down, and what you ought to do is say, glory to God, I'm going to count this joy. What an opportunity to prove that prosperity works. Hallelujah. The doctor looks across the, the examining table at you and says, you have this disease. You ought to put up your hands and say, whoa, glory to God. What an awesome opportunity to prove the Word of God works. That forever, O oh Lord, thy Word is settled in heaven. So with joy I'm going to go through this trial, tribulation, or trouble. Count it all joy. Count it all joy. You say, why? Because forever, O oh Lord, 
forever, O Lord. That word of joy, that word of salvation, that word of power, that word of strength, that word of anointing, that word of calling, that word of destiny. You come up with whatever it is that God has provided for us in Christ. It is settled in heaven. That means the devil can't take it away. Governments can't take it away. Nobody can educate it out of you. You just stay with the Word of God. Put the Word first place. And if it's settled in heaven, then it'll be settled in you. Mm-mm-mm. I like it says in the Amplified. Forever, O Lord, your Word is settled in heaven. Stands firm as the heavens stand. I don't see the heavens wobbling. Look at verse... I like, I like verse, look at verse 105. We'll look at this one in one more. My time will be up. I like, this is, this is, this is a really good one. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Say, I can't, I can't see where I'm going. Well, get the light of the word of God on your path. Wherever you're going, wherever, say, I don't know if I should go this way. Well, if the light of the Word is not shining in that direction, don't go that direction. If it's not shining in this direction, don't go that direction. Wherever that Word, wherever the light of that Word is shining, that's where you go. That's where you just follow the light, follow the light. And what do we say the life of faith is? Like driving with your headlights on. You can't see all the way to your destination, but all you got to do is follow the light. Just stay in the light. Just keep moving. Stay in the light. Oh, I like that scripture. I got to read it one more time. Thy word, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So I just, I just can't get any direction, Pastor. I just can't get any direction. Get into the word. Get into the word. Put the word first place. Submit your opinion. Submit your education. Submit your intellect. Submit the way your body feels. Submit everything to the Word. Submit everything to the Word. That's what the Bible says. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Well, how can you submit yourself to God unless you submit to His Word? Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist. Actively oppose the devil, and he will flee, run, and start terror from you. Ooh, I ought to get a better amen than One more, real quick. One more, and we'll close. I like this. Verse 130. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. <laughs> Amen. I tell you, I like simple people. The Bible says of Jesus, the common people received him gladly. Amen. You notice it was all the Pharisees and the scribes and the lawyers and those that, that studied the law. They didn't, like anything, they didn't like anything to do with Jesus. Jesus messed their mindset up. He messed up their strongholds. He messed up their religion. He, interu he interrupted a lot of what they were teaching and doing by teaching the Word of God. Amen? Now, when you begin to realize that every time you look in the Bible, light starts coming in. Light starts coming in. Light starts coming in. Light starts coming in, and it gives you what? Understanding. People with understanding need no explanations. Like one guy said, how does it work? The other guy said, I don't care. I'm just glad it does. Amen. A lot of people are just, they're wasting their time. They're wasting their energy trying to figure out how it works when all they need to do is by faith accept it and say, thank God it does work. And when you just make a decision, thank God it does work. The cross works. The blood works. The word works. Healing works. Prosperity works. Salvation. It works. How many have seen that it works? 
And I want you to know the more you walk in it, the more you work, the more it works. Forever, O oh Lord, forever, O oh Lord, forever, O oh Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands and thank God for it tonight. Oh, Father, we thank you this evening. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for your word, Father. Thank you for your word, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, take a moment and just worship God and thank Him this evening. Father, we thank you for your... Real quick, if you do. Go, go, Ella, do you have that? Give that out. Now, if you will value the Word as your most important possession and make it the treasure of your heart and make a consecration and say even this night, I will live by the Word, then you will see many changes that will come into your life. For by the Word, I have plans for you. For by the Word, you shall increase. For by the Word, you shall be blessed. For by the Word, healing shall manifest. For by the Word, you'll rise and do that which I've called you to do. So draw not back as your intellect reels back and forth, saying, if only, if only, if only that could be explained. Take it at face value. Let your spirit agree. Grab hold of it with all that you have and hang on. For it shall take you into blessings that you've only dreamed of. And it shall show you things that you've never thought you'd see. So rise up tonight and make it your most valuable possession. And make that declaration that I will live by the word. I will live by the word. I will overcome by the word. I will be healed by the word. I will prosper by the word. And if that rapture of the church tarries, I will die by the word and be with my Savior by the word. Therefore, I fear not. I fear not anything that should come upon me or upon the earth, for I live by the word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Well, we receive that. Amen. I said we receive that, don't we? Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.